Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everyone and welcome to our limited edition podcast for Decoded Pride Issue 2. We are super pumped to have you with us and today we're speaking with a small round table of creators about their creative process, why queer speculative fiction matters so much, and where you can pick up our amazing new anthology. Spoiler, it's at decodedpride.com. Welcome, everyone. I am your host and today the moderator, Sarah Century. Now, I have a couple of guests with me today, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves. What's your name and what's which story did you write for Decoded? My name's Dave Ring, and I wrote uh, An Offering to the Sun for the anthology. My name is Riko Setsumo, and I wrote uh, Determined uh, for the anthology. What was the inspiration behind writing your story? What was the thing that made you want to write the story that you wrote? Well, why did I write Determined? Um, I think, you know, for a while I have been battling with um, the idea of regret um, and uh, fault and choice. Um, and I think um, I was kind of like internally going through a lot because I, you know, I recently out of a breakup and moving into different phases of my life and different spaces and forming new relationships. And sometimes you find yourself just sitting and thinking about what have you done and how could you have done things differently? And, um, you know, I think just that kind of uh, internal um dance with misunderstanding or rather kind of like painting past choices in a different light with myself made me ask the question, you know, what is my life and how do I make my choices? So I wrote determined to kind of decipher some of those questions. I mean, not all of them are answered, but um, that's the basic, um, you know, uh, starting point for, for the short. When I, when I read your story, I was actually had just been having a similar conversation about choices and, you know, what avenues are still available for us to explore and which ones are closed off. So I thought it was a cool exploration of that thing that was very present in my life as well. My story is more about like being honest with your own desires. And if I could go back in time and make past Dave more honest with himself and, you know, thinking about what, like what it takes to actually go after what you want versus 
like denying that part of yourself. So that was what my story was trying to explore. Yeah, I think I think both of your stories were very successful in those themes. So how did you choose the short story format? Did you envision this story as being a short story? Or were you thinking of doing something longer and ended up shorter? Did you want to do it as a comic first and it ended up a short story? Like what was the what was the process behind you choosing the short story? I read a lot of short work and I don't know, some people have the problem where they, they write too long and they have to distill things down. Whereas I tend to write really short and have to like drag the additional words out of me. So, you know, my, mine is maybe like a thousand words and it's been that length in every like iteration of revision. Um, it's like stayed around that place. So it's, it's like the, uh, the shot class equivalent equivalent of a story. I can't really say I have a process because this is um, my first short story. This is my first story really ever. Um, I think in the past, I've probably written like half of a play. But apart from that, I am not uh, much of a fictional writer. I, I, I don't know why I chose a short. I think it. I, I feel like it's where the story ended. Um, and I didn't want to drag it on too long um, and to kind of um, to 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 wring too much of it. Um, you know, um, I just wanted to keep it as it was. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. I think that every story kind of chooses how long it's going to be, right? Like that has been a recurring theme for me. The piece that I ended up writing this year was is longer than uh, just about anything else that I've written. I've only written a couple of long pieces ever. Yeah, everybody is is such a different writer. So I think that that's always interesting to hear about the process. So are there parts of your story that you plan to revisit in the future? Is there stuff in your story that you think you're going to come back to? I don't think so. Hey, I uh, I think the story has kind of taken a life. It's life now and it's um I I have given it to the universe for it to do with it what it will. I think um although I did start to fall in love with the characters in ways I I I, I don't want to kind of get to know my uh, idols too much. <laughs> um, I think it's it's okay that I've only seen a snippet of their lives and um, I've let go. I appreciate that sentiment. I've I've come back to other like connected stories before, so I wouldn't rule it out. And it feels gauche to talk about what reactions to it have been from other places. But I did have one venue suggest, and you know, this is a thousand word story. And they were like, I really feel like this should be a novel. <laughs> and it sort of was like, I, I, that's not <laughs> super helpful for, for, for revision notes. Like it's, it's not going to be a novel, but like, I'll um, just add 29,000 <laughs> words to this real quick, I guess. Three times. Like, yeah. like that's like, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a wild bit of feedback, but um <laughs> So I could see maybe coming back to it. I've got a couple other recurring characters that I have some like links, either flash or longer work related to it. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll it out, but I love the idea of not wanting to get to know my idols too well. And I will think about that if that's the right decision for other work. So I appreciate that. That is really funny. It did make me laugh to be like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe sometimes whenever I'm writing, I'll end up with a character that you don't like as much anymore <laughs> because you got to know them too good. <laughs> that's always a risk. It's always yeah, the definitely. risk. <laughs> 
<laughs> was there anything that you learned about your creative process while you were writing this piece? Because I know that, you know, time and time again, whenever I'm writing, I'll, I'm, it's like almost every piece teaches me something new, regardless of if I wanted to learn it or not, right? <laughs> so was there something about your creative process that just dawned on you while you were working on this? Was there like a light bulb moment and you realized, oh, I'm, I like this or I'm, I do things this way? Well, so, so, so there's two two big kind of pieces in this that I was pulling on. One is like a bit of nostalgia, like a like I set the the story essentially in the rundown park at the end of the street that I grew up on, and so and initially it wasn't a speculative story. And um, so two things there: one, I was like, ah, do I like writing things that are in some ways revering nonfiction? And then I I realized I didn't. And then I was like, let's let's make this as unlike what actually happened in that park as possible. <laughs> and then uh, the other bit was about oh, just trying just writing like literary fiction or like non speculative work. And I considered trying to keep it non-speculative so that I could submit it to different markets and it didn't feel like it was connecting the same way like the like I wanted to, like the story has werewolves in it and so I wanted to play with like what that means in our heads like in what I don't know like werewolves are always like a symbol of like the the id or like the like our base desires and I liked playing with that whereas before I introduced that element it, it wasn't landing the same way so I think those maybe were lessons I'm not quite sure well I think you know uh, writing this story has been like a, a, a new beginning for me um, it's opened my life um, to a whole new craft that I never really considered as something that I could potentially partake in. So I think the easier question would be, what have I not learned? <laughs> um, <laughs> because every step of the way has been a learning process, you know, from um, writing the story to submitting it, the, 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 you know, the fear of rejection, the excitement of being accepted, you know, um, learning, you know, um, from the editors, you know, in terms of how to to, I guess, structure a story. And um, I'm terrible with grammar, so I'm always grateful to to be able to spot the difference when somebody has gone through something I've worked on and is, you know, kind of just rearranged it to to make it to make it look right. Um, so everything has been a learning experience. Um, and I think also from the story itself, um, I've I've learned um, the importance of of letting go. You know. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been very appreciative of of the whole experience. Experience, I must say. And uh, yeah, thank you to the uh, Decoded team for, you know, opening that, that, that space of the world um, to me. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thank you so much for sending your story. I once again, we were it was like an embarrassment of riches this year. We had so so many good stories sent to us, and every one that we ended up choosing is just you know so perfect. And I love one of the things I love the most about doing this anthology is is that we debut one of the stories every single day of June. So just kind of seeing them all come together as this sort of puzzle, because I see the pieces, but I don't see the whole, you know, I see the whole at the same time everybody else does. So that's been something that's been really amazing for me. Um, and yeah, we're, I'm, I speak for the whole team, you know, like every single story we like definitely all, all loved. So thank you, obviously, for, uh, for submitting. And that was kind of going to be my next question. Why did you choose Decoded to submit to? Was, what was the process behind that? How did I actually find the decoded um the call? 
I think a friend sent it to me. I was busy writing a proposal for like, you know, an NGO and I was like in my head and just exhausted and trying to just string to self, like string pieces of myself together and just figure out what the hell is going on in my life. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I should try write a short story. <laughs> so that's how, I mean, I, I can't say I chose Decoded to submit to. Decoded came to me and I was like, this is exciting. Let me try it out. Um, and it was just, you know, blessings from the minute, you know, my friend sent the, the link to to now. Yeah. I'm, I was just trying as, as fast as I could to see if I could figure out the the trail of breadcrumbs that, that led me to submit <laughs> and I couldn't quite I want to say I so I, I edit uh, a flash fiction a speculative queer flash fiction magazine called Baffling Magazine and one of the people who's in one of our issues I want to say that one of their first pieces was published by y'all last year and then when I oh. looked y'all up the call was there Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's great. So I'll have to peek to remember exactly who it was. <laughs> My first guess was wrong. So I'm going to look again. <laughs> but that was how that was how the call ended up in my hands anyway. I see. Yeah. I I think last year we were listed on, you know, like Horror Tree and like all of that. So I think that we actually had more submissions last year. I think that there was like a little bit more um like yeah it just was shared in on more websites i guess uh but this year it was mostly it seems like really word of mouth which is kind of great everybody submitted incredible pieces we got over 150 and it was just great my favorite my favorite part of the year is just reading through like the slush pile basically oh sorry i i did just find the name it was maria dong she was in last year um, oh, uh, she just she did our uh, website as well. Yeah, Maria is awesome. Uh, she's doing, uh, and she's not in baffling. She's I wish she was in baffling. She's um, she's doing a, a live reading for me later in the month. That's it's it, it's the breadcrumbs were all in the wrong order apparently. <laughs> I loved her story. Like sh that, it was incredible, and what a dream to work with. Honestly, oh, very cool. Yeah, so that was that was the that was the connection. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what was the, what's the new question? Uh, so, uh, is there a genre that you haven't ever written in that you would like to give a try? Yes, I, I just really like genres as a framework and as like a as a con constraint. So, I love when I see a cool call for submissions asking for stories in a particular genre, um, especially if the other criteria they're looking for is something that is in my wheelhouse. So anytime I see that, it's like grist for the mill. So I've been thinking a lot about Gothic writing um, lately, maybe like everyone else who read Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Like Exactly. The, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and there's just a few other works like Yellow Jessamine by Caitlin Starling that my press put out last year. And then I just read um, The Atrocities by Jeremy Ship, which is like a perfect little bite-sized gothic novella so that's that's what's calling me right now but uh i just love playing with genre and thinking of it as you know use these four walls to write whatever weird stuff you're gonna write and having those walls put in place by somebody else is pretty freeing to be honest yeah i mean i i i would like to try anything and everything I can, really. I think I'm, I've become quite excited about this new kind of space of adventure in my life. Um, so I, I can't say specifically what exactly I, I do and do not want to try. Um, I can't even say what I have and have not done um, because I'm not even sure what 
determined would fall under if I'm being quite honest. But um, yeah, you know, I'm just um, ready and waiting to uh, grow and uh, become in whichever spaces, um, you know, uh, are ready to, to hold me and my work. My story is about a traveler and um, they have been traveling for a couple of centuries now um, and basically they travel through the universe and um, when they land in a space, they are reconstituted with matter. So they don't travel with matter, they leave matter behind and they take on new matter as they go. And they fall in love with a, another traveler who is uh, more than a traveler and um Recently, they find out that their partner um, is a weaver or somebody who can um, weave timelines and um, they feel manipulated. They just going through their life with their partner and trying to figure out which parts of their life was theirs in terms of the choices that they made, in terms of, um, you know, just moving through space and how much of it was actually manipulated by this person who can weave lines and, you know, um, who knew them before they could have ever imagined her. <laughs> in, in comparison, mine is like a, <laughs> like a fucky werewolf story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, which... We need it, honestly. I was, <laughs> whenever we were going through the uh, submissions, I was just like, we could do a fucky werewolf story, right? <laughs> and like, everybody was like, oh, let me read it. <laughs> so we all had to like each read it. And then it was like, yeah, absolutely. We could do this. <laughs> like, I can, I can use big, big words and like, it's a, it's a play in the liminal nature of desire and our baser instincts, but also it's a, it's a fucky werewolf story. So, yeah. <laughs> So um, what do you have coming up? Because I know, Dave, you have the press and then, yeah, what what is next on the horizon for you? A few things. Um, I mean, this month is, is wild for the, the press. So like, I won't get into all that just because there's, there's, there's like eight things. Um, but I just had a story drop in um, Cosmas Infinities that I'm really hype about. It's also kind of a fucky little story, but like longer and and it has footnotes. It has a lot of really <laughs> gnarly footnotes that I've, I think maybe it's the first time I've ever written with those before. It's sort of um, like a, like a tongue in cheek pop culture, um, murdery little story called top 10 demons to kill before the world ends. And um, then I have another story coming out in this month at the end of the month and it's in Lackington's, which has long been like a dream journal of mine. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's funny. It's one, the problem with like writing long titles is then sometimes when you're recording a podcast, you can't remember the exact way <laughs> that you worded it. Um, gosh, it's about wanton fruit, but, and, but I use a longer title and it's, it's, it's basically a, uh, an ode to Samuel Delaney-esque pulp sword and sorcery. Um, and it's in their battle issue, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Um, 
I've just uh, got work, <laughs> um, you know, um, mostly, which uh, I guess is, is something that I'm still also quite passionate about. I have been considering writing another short, but um, time has been a bit of a pressing issue, especially now that uh, in South Africa we are about to approach our third wave or, you know, whatever that means nowadays. Um, but yeah, um, work and I guess just figuring it out and trying to see how far I can, you know, really uh, push this, this new space to grow um, as, a, as a writer. All right, everyone. And once again, that was Dave Ring. Dave is a writer who also oversees Neon Hemlock Press. I highly recommend checking out their output. You could check them out at neonhemlockpress.com and Dave can be found at davering.com. And that's Dave-Ring. You can also follow him on Twitter at SlickHop. Our other guest, Chico Sizumo, I guess you'll just have to tune in next year and hope that she submits another incredible story to us because Determined is really one of our favorite shorts of this year and it's kind of amazing to think that that's her first effort. So thanks again for both of you being here. This was a wonderful conversation. And I am Sarah Century. You can find me at sarahcentury.com. And also Decoded Pride is available for sale now. So decodedpride.com subscription for the year. You get 30 stories by 30 queer creators. It's $14.99. And you can also buy last year. So pre-order this year, buy last year. The sky is the limit, truly. Thanks again. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.